Good evening. It is what is it? April 9th. It's about 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, tonight I wanted to talk about, and this will lead into Wednesday or Hump Day, as we always call it Wednesday, W-I-N-S-D-A-Y. Uh, Wednesday, I wanted to touch on more business-related topic, and it's the cost of speed, innovation, and unclarity. And I don't think a lot of times we we think about all the decisions that we make and all the consequences that come with the decisions we make. Um, some of them are obvious and we plan for those. Others are not so obvious and we don't see the impact until it's too late. And a lot of times we don't see the impact of it when until it's too late because of how we relate to our associates or our employees or our peers. And some of that is caused by, um, it's actually interesting because I was telling one of my friends uh, earlier today wait till you hear my podcast tonight because she sent me a podcast that spoke on something similar. Um, A lot of times the connection is not there. So we don't see some of the differences or how it's impacting different groups. And when I say the differences, we don't think about generational diversity very much. And when I say generational diversity, I'm talking about the millennial probably doesn't relate to or communicate the same way as a baby boomer. So the way we communicate information, the way they receive information, their expectations are very different. How they view work is very different. A baby boomer comes to work and work was life for them. Like, you know, you, you be grateful for having a job. You come to work, you grind, you, you work, you're, you're, you're thankful for what you have. A millennial, and it even said this in that podcast I was listening to earlier today, Expectations are very different. There is no, I'm grateful for the job that I have. Millennials come into a space and it's like, you know what? I can be CEO by the time I'm 26 years old. And realistically, there are spaces where that can happen. But as you look at speed, innovation, and unclarity, the expectations that are set or not set can lead to a lot of things that businesses hate and we try to solve for so often. So we talk about stress, we talk about burnout, we talk about attrition, we talk about the reputation of your business and how employees and your communities view your company, your culture, and what you're doing. And we don't think about the actions and decisions that we make, how those are always impacting certain things. But to give some examples and and to, to kind of talk about, talk dig a little deeper, I should say, into this, right now, business is moving faster than it ever has. Um, I spent most of my life in finance, most of my professional career in financial services. Now I work in healthcare and there are similarities in both. Like as I said, it's moving so fast. Deals are made so much quicker. And I think there's less research done. A lot of deals are done and this is how business works by word of mouth. Oh, my friend or a colleague or someone I know or someone I used to work with, they're using the same tools or the same company. And those are things that, you know, everyone wants to be so fast, but we're not looking again at those possible consequences of moving so fast and acquiring new things or new tools or new technology. And I think when we look at this, not just technology, but when we look at the amount of data that we have available, there's so much data available that you could probably paint 50 different pictures with the amount of data that's coming in from one data stream. And that's, that's a problem because if you're not looking at the same set of data the same way, 
manipulating it the same ways, you can create a whole bunch of different stories and whoever's the better storyteller tends to win whether they're right or wrong or whoever has the highest title may win whether they're right or wrong because some cultures are built very hierarchical to where we don't want to challenge the person on top and you definitely don't want to challenge them in, in front of a crowd. So then you create this space where they don't have an individual may not have time to talk to you outside of this meeting, but they don't want to contradict you or um, challenge you in front of a group because of the cultural the cultural uh, feel that you've created. So I always feel the leader creates the culture. And then even when you're looking at the technology and how fast we're moving there, like new breakthroughs, innovations, new creations, and we're not looking at some of the, the biggest things. Like when you look at new technology and you look at your workforce, yes, this tool may be able to do everything you want it to do. But when you look at your staff and the people that are actually going to be doing this, do they have the right skill set to implement this in the speed that you want and effectively use the tools how you want them to use it? If not, you're creating a challenge to where right now in most cultures, we're so busy and trying to move so fast, we have devalued the importance of training. Training is now uh, an inconvenience. So if you're not creating clarity, you're not looking at your employees or your associate's skill set, you're buying and implementing new tools, you're automatically creating a huge challenge for people to try to get up to speed without any help. And I say this is a challenge because most people that know me, they're probably like, that's not a challenge for you. You're just like a go, go, go type person. You're right. But most business leaders, if you look at some of the most successful business leaders that are running these huge corporations, they didn't grow up in corporations. <laughs> they grew up entrepreneurs. You look at Jeff Bezos, you look at Bill Gates, you look at Warren Buffett, you know, you look at these people that are running, running Amazon and, you know, some of these huge companies, they didn't grow up in corporate America. They grew up creating their own, innovating, understanding that they're going to grind, grind, grind to get to where they want to be at. And a lot of times when we're hiring new associates or we're hiring leaders, we're looking at, you know, what's their corporate buzz or what's their corporate appearance? You know, we're not, when I say their corporate appearance, I'm looking at like, what's their resume say? Hate to say this because this is very discriminatory, but what do they look like? Do they fit the, do they fit our culture based off the look? Do they fit the expectation of what I want them to? We're not looking at the competencies, the behaviors, the characters or their character, their ethics, their values, when we're making these hiring decisions. And a lot of times we're looking at situations and sometimes you need worker bees. Worker bees are those people that, you know what, they're coming to work and they're grinding every day. And I think when you look at that, you've got to start looking at people that may look a little bit different than you're used to hiring. You may want to look at people who have a history of working really hard and being rewarded less than what they should be. How do you identify that? More behavioral-based interviewing, but that's not what we want to talk about as far as the interview process. But we're not finding people that fit the profile that you need from a skill set perspective. We're finding people that we that look the part. Their resume looks the part. And again, that's the the challenge when you devalue training and you're not putting people through a proper training to get them up to speed. And you just need them to start working. You have two challenges. One, you get someone who is able to start working right away. 
that means that they're probably going to want to do something more challenging within the next year or two. Or you have the other end of that. You have someone that has the right competencies, skill set, and behaviors, but they need training to get to where they want to be at, but you've devalued training. So now that person never reaches their full potential and they almost feel like the outcast in your company because you're not putting that time in to train them and get them up to speed. Instead, they end up leaving and going to another company and being the rock star because that company valued training. And these are things that we have to look at on a regular basis if we are going to slow down some of the attrition, slow down the turnover, slow down the bad morale, or just change the bad morale that we're seeing right now in, in some companies. And as you as you look at just the, the speed of change and innovation, so many decisions are made in silos that impact so many other so many other people and groups that again that that communication or that generate that generational diversity piece of how people communicate um, has gone by the wayside a lot of times everything's through email and it's gone out so fast like oh you check your email what if a higher population of people learned by actually doing first reading an email that kind of would defeat the purpose or may make you reconsider how you're pushing out information Not everything can be an email. Not everything can be a quick call. Let me tell you about this real quick. And I don't think we're looking at that because then we revert back to, well, I sent you this email on the 21st of May. Did you get it? Yeah, but I also got 5,000 other emails that day. And this was something didn't really seem too important at the time. And I do it one time a year. So I didn't really retain what you were saying. And I think from a leadership perspective, we've really got to look at that and say, am I doing a good job of not only delivering information, but doing knowledge checks or some kind of competency check along the way to make sure people are retaining what's being put out there? And if they're not, how do you make sure that you understand their learning style so that you can get them up to speed or invest in your training department so that they can actually help you, these individuals, regardless of the level, get up to speed. And I think as you, as you think about the change in, in how people, how associates, regardless of the level, look at their job, when we talked about the speed of innovation and technology, and then the sense of unclarity, right now, again, I feel like we, we hire people that can work in this space and I was having a conversation yesterday with one of my friends, Amanda, and we were talking about a sense of, and we made up a word, figure it outness. Because as we look at our group of friends that we went to college with, there's a certain group of us that we may not talk every day, we may not hang out all the time, but there's a certain group of us that we feel like, man, we, we kind of did some stuff in life. And obviously life's not over and we're still progressing. We still got these goals that are very aspirational, but that figure it outness. If you don't have that, then some of these people we're hiring, they get in these spaces and they're stuck because we look at it as, okay, you didn't define success for me. So now I've got to look at the the, the playing field, we'll call it, and say, okay, I'm going to create my own metrics to say, this is what's important to me. This is what's important to my team. This is how we're going to go about doing it and go. And sometimes that works. In other times, we stay in this space and I think we use this excuse of everything's not gonna be black and white. 
and that's fair. That's, that's a fair conversation, but some things need to be black and white when you're looking at associates and how your team is going to progress. And when you're looking at morale, winning cures everything. So if you can define something that is black and white and they can go after it, then they start getting wins. And the thing is, once you define what success is, you should be able to map out a process or basically a process of how they get there. And you start coaching more towards the process than the end result. Because when you start talking about, not even talking about, when you start coaching towards the end result in recruiting, if you're talking about uh, the number of hires, you're going to confuse a lot of people and you're going to make people really upset because they're going to look at, I'm just trying to get that number, that end hire, um, instead of looking at the strategy behind it. Okay, if I need to net 20 hires, how many phone interviews do I need to do? How many hiring leader interviews do I need to do? You know, you've got to start to know that. You've got to know how many sources do I have that I can reach out to to get applicants from? What's my best source of hire? And if you can take it a different way and say you want to look at sales. Okay, my goal is I want to get eight sales this week. Okay, well, you know, you got a 50% no-show rate, so you need to schedule at least 32 interviews or 32 appointments. Of those 32 appointments, 16 people you're actually going to get in front of or 16 families you're going to get in front of. Of those 16 families, half of them are going to tell you, no, she got a 50% close rate. Boom, you're at your eight sales. But you got to work backwards or you got to create a process so that people can get there. Now, even though you looked at that process, whether it's sales, whether it's uh, recruiting, or even in healthcare, you want to look at productivity. You can't put the end, the end thing, the end result out there. You can't say, okay, you got to meet productivity here. Put something in front of those associates that actually matters, or something they can control, something they can drive. So, what are the drivers in productivity? And start coaching towards those. In recruiting, you know, there's other pieces that in sales, you pick the field. I'm talking recruiting because that's it's kind of my my comfort zone. Um, when we talk about recruiting and we're talking about that was the strategy or these are the things you have to do to get there. Now you've got to dig a little bit deeper. Okay, great. On that phone screen, what are you trying to identify? What are some of the things you should hit on every single call? Are you listening to the background? Do they have kids? Do they have dogs? Do they have, what are their hobbies? When you look at this, you start to hear things and you start to think about, okay, we have a weight room on site. They talked about being fit. I probably want to make sure I emphasize weight room in our plan, our wellness plan over, you know, maybe their 401k because they're not into the 401k piece yet. But you've got to listen and know what you're actually looking for and what you're coaching towards. Otherwise, back to the black and white, you don't have anything black and white. Everything's gray. They don't know how they're performing outside of how someone that has a bigger title than them feels that day and what's communicated to them. You need to create an environment where regardless of what someone says to them, they know whether they're winning or, winning or losing at all times. When you go play a sport, you see the scoreboard. The game's not over till the clock is zero, but you can still see the scoreboard whether you're winning or losing. I, I like to, I, <laughs> I did it today. I like to compare running to work or running to life. When I'm on a treadmill and I get tired, I stop looking at the, the distance I've run. I'll put a towel over the screen and now I'm just focused on my breathing and trying to get my mind off of actually running because then I'm just focused on the process. The result's going to come because I know the process, like execute the process, execute the process. You'll get the end result. 
but many times, again, that disconnect in the, the generational diversity or generational differences in how we communicate and even expectations are so different that if we're not having those conversations up front to clarify what the expectation is, what success is, then we're doing our teams and our, our peers a disservice. And like I had mentioned earlier, when we talk about like the entrepreneurial piece of corporate America, we want people to grind, work, figure things out. You know, that word I was talking about, figure it outness. Um, but when you put people in that space, and I may be totally wrong and some may agree with me and some may not, but when you put people in that space of, okay, it's gray, I tend to see people that are more successful find a way to make it black and white and execute. Now, you can't make everything black and white, but you can make some of your core metrics and core drivers black and white and they execute. And that kind of behavior is rewarded to a certain extent because once they get to a certain level and maybe their peers aren't gravitating to that same direction or aren't coaching developing and spending time in the same areas they're focused on a different area now you've got to rein that person back and say okay don't do that anymore but that's what you were rewarding at first so we create unclear expectations for our teams and our 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 employees or associates and as you think about that you can see how that has to start weighing on your team so i would encourage all of us to start thinking about the decisions that we're making and understand that Sometimes you may need to slow down when making these decisions and understand one, your team's skill set, understand and have the right players in the room when having these conversations to make sure that all parties involved are, are on board and can execute upon what's being asked in that specific time frame. And I should probably give you guys some context to why this is a topic for me today. Um, it's I love doing these podcasts. Like I love doing this podcast. I also love some of the relationships I've built. I've had people from other companies reach out to me. I've had, well, I've had a few people from other companies reach out, whether it's about resume help, whether it's about uh, certain struggles they're having right now, whether it's about, hey, I'm leading this, this is associate, this is what they're like, what would you do in this situation? And it's cool. <laughs> it's funny because sometimes I feel like outside of my company, I have more expertise than what's used inside my company at times. Um, but I'm still the new kid on the block, so I'll, I'll accept that. So as I start to have these conversations and I see, I was actually had literally a text conversation 20 minutes ago with one of my friends here in Pensacola about some of the stress and challenges she's having with her leadership. And it's like, okay, great. You tried this stuff. Have you tried to approach it from their point of view? And I think these conversations are very helpful, but the common theme that I'm seeing in some of the conversations we're having in our company right now is we're looking at turnover, we're looking at you know, attrition, we're looking at uh, burnout and stress. And these are things that we have to control if you want your company to be successful. So when we're looking at speed, innovation, and unclarity, those three things don't really go together. We can be fast, but we can't hurry. And when we start to hurry, we miss steps and some of the innovation takes over, but it can't be executed. And one of the things that I've been a a big fan of is don't get excited about the idea, get excited about the execution. Because when you get overly excited about the idea, some of the, I don't want to say common sense, but some of the thought process is skipped because you're looking at what could possibly be. And that's good. I like to have dreamers 
but you've got to have a combination of people that are the dreamers and the go-getters and overly ambitious to some of those other people that say, you know what, hey, we got to rein this back a little bit. Are you thinking about X, Y, Z? And <laughs> those of you that know me and know me from Ohio, well, know me from my last company I worked with, Discover, I think Dave Mergen and Erica McMaster is a perfect example. Dave, one of the most innovative people ever, Erica would bring him back to real life and say, wait, that's not possible. Look at this, 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 and this. And that was a good, you know, yin and yang, yin and yang. And I think we need more combinations like that to, to get your companies to the next level and also keep your employees happy and keep morale in a good space. And one of the things that, you know, is a consistent, <laughs> how do I want to say this? One of the things that's a consistent conversation starter is compensation. And when you look at compensation and how often reviews are done or not done, am I overpaid, am I underpaid? There's so many ways that associates can go on Glassdoor, they can go different places to look at how does their comp relate to their peers nationally, in your own city, statewide. So when it comes to comp, those can be things that you know you can you can better manage. And I feel like I had since I feel like I had a director. And I remember one day we got in a debate and I was actually agreeing with him, but he wasn't listening to me. So I won't, <laughs> I won't say his name because I still respect this guy as a leader. Um, but one of the things he had said is, you know, you take money off the table. You make sure if they're going to leave you, they're leaving for something that's in your culture because you control your culture. And I think that's a, that's a great selling point. And I know budgets are budgets and you may not be able to compensate people how you want to. But at the same time, if you can make money, and I say make it a non-factor, but make sure you're paying your associates accurately or appropriately, then you can start to worry about more about process and you can push a little bit harder because you know, okay, they're fairly compensated. You know, they're, they're doing well. And I say compensation is not just your, your base pay. Other things go into compensation. Other things go into making your teams happy and driving results. But when you, when you reward them properly, it's a little easier to push a little harder. And when I say reward them, again, it's not just your base comp or your base salary. You got to look at where are they getting wins? Because you know when they mess up, hopefully you're not avoiding that tough conversation. You're having that conversation because that conversation is going to make them get better. Um, but you're also setting those milestones of if they accomplish this goal or they hit this mark, if they follow the process, you're giving them some kind of reward or some kind of recognition. And not everybody's into public recognition. Some are into like the private or, you know, gift cards or whatever it may be. Some kind of reward to let you know that you see exactly what they did and you appreciate them. And as you get down that path, even the sense of, not even the sense of, but how you communicate the, the, the behavior or the result that you're rewarding is very important. Um, I had a recruiter one time, Stephanie Bendoff, tell me, you know what, you tell us we did a good job, but like, what did we do a good job at? And Steph, <laughs> Steph was serious. So it made me be more intentional around when I'm giving praise. It's not just, hey, I appreciate you hitting this goal. It is, hey, I see that you hit this number. You did X number of phone interviews. I seen how you interacted with the business. This is awesome. So then they know I did this, this, and this well. But if you haven't defined success or you haven't made a couple things black and white, how do you reward something consistently? How does you how does your associates know this is what success means? Or these are the things that I'm getting wins on. And even the wins that you get 
depart by department department to department are going to be different. But if you can tie your your process and what success is to whoever you're supporting or one of your peers in another business unit, it's easier to have more people get wins than just one department because you don't want to have your wins be another team's losses. Um, but again, looking at process and looking at the speed and how fast business is moving in the bottom line is always going to be when it comes to business is how much money are you really making? Whether you're a nonprofit or whatever kind of company you are, at the end of the day, it's a business. Businesses are run to help to help people and make money. And if you're consistently losing people, attrition may be your biggest expense. Your employees' salary tends to be your biggest expense, but if you're consistently turning people over, you're probably not making as much money as you should. So you got to start thinking about the speed that you're moving at, are you training people at the same speed? And when you're hiring people, are you looking at their profile? And are you making sure you're hiring them based on competencies, behaviors, character, ethics? Because it's so much easier to teach some of the technical skills in comparison to teach someone to work hard, to teach someone how to act. Those are things that (laughs) <laughs> you shouldn't have to teach in the business world. I would prefer to teach someone who has the right competencies, skills, or competencies, behaviors, and character versus trying to teach someone those, those things. Like, I don't even know if that's teachable. Once they're in that space, people kind of are who they are. They'll change some behaviors or they'll, they'll grow and adjust to the culture or the expectations if those are set. But as far as if I have a choice to teach soft skills versus hard skills, I'm probably going to teach or soft skills versus technical skills. I'm probably going to want to teach technical skills because that's, that's the reason I'm in the space that I'm in. So as you look at your, your business model and you look at where you're spending your money and your time, and more importantly, as you look at your staff, that's the most important part of your business is your staff because they're the ones who execute the ideas that you have. They're the ones who they do the hard work. Like they, they're the ones who do everything that make the company run. You may have great ideas and be able to create a strategy or a plan, but your team is the one that actually executes the plan and makes things happen. So as you go through this, make sure you're keeping them in mind. You're getting new technology. How's your team going to adjust to that? Do they have the right skill set to actually implement this the way that it was sold to you? I don't know. These are things that you got to think about. And if you don't have the right skill set, are you investing in the training piece? Are you using your training staff that you have to develop your skill set and develop your team skill set? Are you are you hiring people that can do the job right now that are going to not want to do this job because they're bored in a year and a half? So you got to replace this person again. So you got to start thinking about that stuff when you're making hiring decisions. And even when you're looking at business and how fast it's moving, be fast, but don't don't rush. Again, when you rush, you miss certain parts of the process. Don't be afraid to draw a hard line and say, okay, you know, this is clarity. This is this is what success looks like. Tell your team, hey, we're piloting this, but this is what we're this is what we're gunning for. At the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, we're going to reevaluate after looking at results and see. Did we define the right metrics? Did we define what success really was? If you didn't, great, back to the drawing board. Make sure you're taking feedback from your team because they're the ones, again, they're the ones making everything happen. And if you're not doing that, you're setting yourself up for failure. So take feedback from your team. Make some things in your organization black and white. 
As a leader, a lot of times we're looking at the bottom line and that's money. And if you're not looking at that and your expectations aren't clear on what's success for you, you need to take a step up and question your leader, your VP, your CEO, your CHRO, your whoever you report into and say, hey, how are we defining success? Yeah, overall, there's going to be some gray areas and that's where I get to, I have the freedom to be creative. But what core metrics are we driving that are going to make my team successful? You want me to create those? Great. I love that space. But (laughs) have those conversations. Don't let your team burn out. Don't let them be so stressed that they're not, they, they lose, they lose a sense of how good they are at their craft. Spend time developing your people. Ask to be developed. Find a mentor. And again, some of this is personal development. And at a certain level, you've got to ask for that development. You've got to say, hey, I need help. This is what specifically what I need help with. And as leaders, stop being so defensive. Be open. Like, hear some of the feedback that your team is giving you. It's going to help you define your processes. It's going to make you more successful quicker because your team's more bought into a result that they help plan or they help create. So, as you think about this podcast, please think about your how you're defining success, how your team is looking at success and what the expectations are. Have a conversations, level set expectations with your team as far as not just success from a, a metric perspective, but success from an attitude, success from a behavior, success from a relationship. The more clear you can get, the more success you're going to have. And now I'm not saying you're going to be able to map every single thing out and make it black and white, but make it a goal to take two or three items or four or five, who knows, you just, you decide, but have a couple things that your team can say, okay, this is success. This is a process that will get me to success. Now, obviously there's many different ways. Hopefully this doesn't offend anybody to skin a cat. There's plenty of different ways to win the game. So people are going to have their own avenues to get there, but at least give them a baseline to start being successful. Otherwise, we get in this abyss and you have consistent turnover, you have burnout, you have bad morale, you have high attrition, you start to ruin your reputation in the community, which makes your makes it more challenging for you to be successful as a business leader. So I encourage you, think about big picture, not upwards. Look down and say, okay, who's helping? Who, who are the people that are literally making this business work? How do I make their job easier? In turn, they're going to start to look at you and say, how do I make my leader's job easier? Because you've helped them. One thing I will say to close this out, and I, I think this is from experience. I've been in some, some locations that maybe weren't performing that well, and we've been able to change performance. One thing I will say, when you set a hard line as far as these are the metrics, this is what success is. You are going to have some people that opt out right away. Boom, I'm just out. I'm out. And that's okay. You're going to have other people that are like, this is way too hard. This is ridiculous. I'm, I just can't do this. And they're going to complain a little bit. Then you have that other group of people that are like, oh boy, here's some change. Well, let's get it. It is what it is. They have that figured outness. They figure it out and they start being successful. And then that group that was on the fence, they figure it out. And they're like, oh, okay, they're getting wins. Okay, I'm bought into this. That other group that already left, now you're hiring a new group of people, but it's based off competencies that you see your top performers and even your mid to top performers have. Competencies, behaviors, 
character. You know, you start to hire based off those and you start to understand that there are transferable skills. When people talk about recruiting. Hey, sales is a very transferable skills when you're, skill when you're talking about recruiting. Find out what those are in your business. Like what is it, what competencies are most needed to be successful in your space? Stop always looking at experience because 15 years of bad experience is someone I don't want to hire. One year of great experience, I'm taking them over 15 years of bad experience every year because they probably have the right competencies and behaviors to be successful in my organization. So if you don't know how to choose your competencies, reach out to your to your recruiting team, your talent acquisition group. But that's not why I'm here. I'm not trying to sell the, the TA group. But literally, guys, think about the cost of how fast you're moving innovation and not being clear in your expectations and, and results. Hopefully this gets your week going. Uh, not your week going. Hopefully this gets you through your Wednesday, W-I-N-S day. Hopefully you have motivation. You were able to make this Wednesday better than last Wednesday, ideally the best Wednesday that you've had this year. So as I always say, be great. Think about it.